Hello, and welcome to Banking Transform, a new outgrowth of our podcast that provides financial institutions insights into marketplace solutions that can help organizations with their digital banking transformation. I'm your host, Jim Maruth, founder and CEO of the Digital Banking Report and co-publisher of the financial brand. Consumers are shopping for products and services, opening accounts, and building relationships using the channels they prefer. More than ever, this is done on a mobile phone or online. The only way to support new account opening and deepen existing relationships is by seamlessly aligning your branches, call centers, and digital channels with a modern account opening and onboarding process. Our guests for today's show are Tammy Ferguson, Senior Vice President and Director of Client Experience for Washington Trust Bank, and Zach Hamilton, Chief Digital Officer for Synovus. They will provide insights into how they have supported consumers across the journey with innovation that prioritizes customer needs. So welcome to the show, Zach and Tammy. Before we start, I want to thank you for agreeing to be one of our first interviews on Banking Transform Solutions podcast. Our goal is to provide a new format that will discuss innovative ways that financial institutions globally can partner with market leaders to support their digital banking transformation. I wonder if you both could share a bit of your background and the role that you have at your respective organizations, a little bit about how long you've been and had an onboarding process of your organization. Why don't you start, Tammy? Absolutely. Yeah. So I'm the director of client experience, and this is a relatively new role for Washington Trust Bank. It was created about two and a half years ago, and it it bridges some back office functions, you know, loans, deposit support, along with some frontline operations. And then, of course, marketing and products. And really the goal behind the new role was to really connect how our frontline was taking care of our clients with how that back office function was supporting. Because what we discovered is we were doing all of this innovation for our clients. And then, of course, that back office function was still doing things in a very manual way. And the two were not connecting properly. Um, So that's my role. And as far as online account opening, we've really been doing some sort of online account opening for over 10 years now. But it was about five years ago, we made the decision that it really needed to be more digital fulfillment. And we had to kind of drop that language that it was around just opening, checking and savings accounts and CDs or whatever it may be online. But that, you know, we were challenged with needing to digitally take care of our clients and fulfill on whatever they may want, you know, something that they felt like they maybe had to drive into the branch to take care of. And were we making that available to them in in a digital way? And so we've really been working on that for the last five years. It's interesting, Tammy, because you're in charge of customer experience. And I think when you talk about the account opening process, when you talk about onboarding, as you said, consumers are already in the digital mode. They don't go from branch to branch and pick up brochures the way they did in my old days. The reality is they're they're shopping digitally and they don't want to get off the computer or off their phone if they want to accomplish the task. And, and it's interesting because really there's no place better to show the customer experience what you're going to be doing as an organization from a customer experience perspective then at the very beginning of the relationship when they're most engaged because, you know, you don't get a, a second chance to make a good first impression. So, Zach, from your perspective at Synovus, you know, can you tell us a little bit about what, what your background is and, and what you do at Synovus? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me on today, Jim. Uh, so, Zach Hamilton, uh, Chief Digital Officer for the bank. I've been with the bank for a little over five years. Uh, I've been in this role. I'm leading the digital team for 
uh, just under two years. When I took this role two years ago, it was a vacant position. So I, was, I did not have a successor that I was, I was replacing. The role had been vacant for quite a while. And the successor that was there uh, prior to me, a couple of years prior, was in a technology organization. When I took the role, it was under the strategy and experience vertical within the organization, which I think says a lot about how Synovus is viewing digital and the strategic imperative to get digital right. For us, online account opening and onboarding, we're relatively new. So we are at scale. We are less than a year into this journey. We had some ancillary products for credit card. We have, we've had credit card for some time, but it was only for internal customers. It wasn't open to uh, prospects. Um, and then two years ago, uh, we launched a mortgage application online that's been a big success for us as well. But we really got serious about this about a year ago and, and really started pushing that onboarding journey. So it's interesting that for the last 10 years, we have been researching onboarding for the digital bank report. The number of organizations that state that they have a process has remained at about 50%, anywhere from 50 to 52% over the last 10 years, with a bit less than 25% saying that they will have a program next year. What is interesting, the numbers have never changed. So the same 50% have onboarding because in my mind, once you have an onboarding program, you always are committed to it because there's really, it's a low cost with a big return. But what is interesting is the 25% that say, I'm going to do it next year, never changes. So why do you think that the implementation of onboarding processes don't increase? Tammy, why don't we start with you? Yeah, you know, I think it's a great question. And, you know, if you asked me what percentage we thought we were done, I'd probably say 25%, even though we've been working on it for the last five years. And I think it's a, it's a couple of reasons. One is, is it's just ever-changing. I think, too, it's really easy to get distracted. I mean, you know, as a community bank, you can sit and watch what, you know, whether it's a fintech or, you know, a large financial institution is doing, and it's really easy to just get distracted and go down you know, rabbit holes that don't keep you on pace for what you're trying to accomplish. So I, I do believe that's a contributing factor. And I think, you know, Zach made a good point around, you know, working on credit card, working on mortgage and, and historically from a community bank standpoint, those platforms, they're not the same, right? You know, our fulfillment platform on the back end, it's our deposit origination system is different than our credit card system and many times is different than our mortgage system. And so how do you hook all of those together in a way because the client doesn't care. I mean, the client doesn't care that you have different platforms behind the scenes or different software, you know, for them to fulfill on. And so you have to find a way to connect those together. So the client thinks it's one experience and that it takes continual work. It's never changing. And I'm not sure if any bank will ever say their path. I, I mean, as from my standpoint, as a community bank, I'm always going to be looking to evolve and you know, grow in that space. And so I'm always going to be working on it. How about you, Zach? When you look at it, it sounds like what Tammy's saying is, you know, when you start to dig into the onboarding process, it's bigger than a bread box. It, it is not an easy thing to embrace and to move forward in. And, and, you know, from your perspective, you know, you're a little bit bigger organization. It doesn't make the job any smaller and any less complicated, but is it possible that the reason why we don't see more organizations actually even have an onboarding process is that it is, it is bigger than a bread box. It's, it's hard to embrace. I think that could be part of it, Jim. I'll echo Tammy's comments around uh, the spider web of technology we've created throughout, you know, many, many years and, and being able to 
Infuse, a, a very modern online account opening platform. And you know what we're building on the screen is the easy part, right? It's everything after when they hit the submit button, how you fulfill that action. Uh, that's where it gets very complicated. I think one, you know, and I can certainly speak to experience here at Synovus, we've, we've spoken about doing online account opening for many years, even well beyond, you know, when we, when we really kind of kicked it off, but we've talked about 500 other things as well, right? So there's no shortage of to-dos and things and in a vacuum, they all make sense to do. So for me, it comes down to just having a champion in the organization that's going to take the flag and run with it and just drive the prioritization, the importance of it, and have it rise above all the other initiatives that we need to do and, and really sell the value of, of doing it and getting it right. That's interesting. Now, at Snovus, are, are you the champion of the onboarding process center? Or do you have somebody that's actually is the chief onboarding officer, for lack of a better term? Yeah, I think that responsibility would fall in my organization, but I would say a year ago, it was a voice of two or three, and now We've got a few people on our side here, and we've got a much stronger chorus now that's, that's preaching this. Well, it's interesting, too, because at organizations that I worked with in the past, in a previous life, one of the challenges was onboarding the funding of that and the organization of that. If you let it be in the product group, if different products gave up some of their budget for onboarding, what would end up happening is you ended up having to meet their product objectives. And that's really not good. And until you actually move onboarding to a separate area or a separate mentality that's funded independently, you don't get the freedom to actually work on behalf of the consumer as opposed to the product group, which is, which is an interesting balance. So overall, research has also found that when consumers open accounts digitally, that the balances, opening balances were lower and the depth of relationship was less. And we've seen this since COVID took place where everybody had to open accounts central or at a digital platform. This obviously increases the need for a strong engagement process out of the gate. In fact, you know, when you don't have that face-to-face interaction at the branch, whatever percentage you open in the branch, your cross-sell ratio is going to go down because there's not a motivation on the, the digital app doesn't get motivated So you really have to build things differently because you have to make up for some of those things that are missing. So, Zach, as the digital chief digital officer at Synovus, what are some of the things you're seeing in the marketplace today with regard to digital onboarding innovation? I mean, uh, to kind of address the funding gap there that you see in a physical branch versus a digital branch, we, we certainly see that gap as well. But I think there's a couple of things at play there. One, you know, and COVID certainly changed uh, the dynamics of this, but I think historically speaking, if we look back, online digital onboarding is going to skew to a younger demographic, um, not fully. Certainly there's all generations that engage with this, but a little bit of skew there. And, and you know, there's, there's certainly a correlation with wealth and age that goes into that. I think second, sometimes it is the financial institution that's putting the governor on how much can be funded. Um, so managing perceived risk around that funding channel and, and digitally, you know, sometimes there's some there. So those large deposits that, you know, with, with a physical account opening may be funded through a wire process or a physical check where there's no limitations on the amount of initial funding. So those kind of skew higher. You don't get those in, in the population there in, in many cases. But for me, it's less about the initial funding, because I think there's a lot of reasons that go into that, and more about 90 days out. What does that relationship look like 90 days out? What's their average balance? Are they actively using bill pay? Have they enrolled digitally? Have they expanded to other product sets? So what have we done to help them understand the value of a full relationship with Synovus, the value of the products that they opened initially? And, And really, that's our benchmark is looking 90 days out. 
You know, it's interesting too, Zach, is now more than ever, I think, making it so that we used to count accounts open almost like they were always the same. With the digital account opening being the front door now more than in-person openings, I think you really look at engagement as being your measurement of a, your KPI becomes engagement. You know, how many services are you using? How engaged am I? How many deposits and withdrawals? And we used to look at financial institutions and say, you know, if you didn't have this many deposits, this many withdrawals, you weren't engaged. And then the organization had to decide, do I keep that account open or do I close it? And, and sometimes your metrics are skewed tremendously by an internal decision on whether or not this was still a, a customer or not. And, and the relationship thing is a, it's a big deal because especially when there's so much competition out there from fintechs and other organizations that are eating away at the sides, that you may have an account, but never have the relationship. You may even have some transactions, but really, for lack of a better term, you're simply the dumb rails underneath a, a consumer's bigger, broader environment. So, you know, we have found that consumers want to be contacted after they've opened a new account much more than most institutions reach out to them. Tammy, in your role at Washington Trust, focused on the client experience, how has your organization approached digital onboarding enhancements and deepening the client relationship? Yeah, I think it's a good question because I would agree and engagement is key there. And, you know, we spent a lot of time trying to understand our clients in that first. We started with 90 days and completely agree there's this key in getting past that 90 day mark and really understanding um, where that client is. And so we do reach out to our clients in a whole variety of ways, you know, whether it's following up with a phone call, an email, you know, we have a whole program. It's about six times in that first six months that we try to reach out to them. But we've been researching it and watching it for a couple of years now. And what we're discovering is, is it's that 18 month mark for us that really says whether we've established a true relationship with this client. And, and I agree with Zach, you have this younger clientele that is drawn to start relationships through this channel. But in, in interacting with them, interviewing them, surveying them, we've done a lot of work in that space. That initial product, it's really interesting. They don't consider it a checking account. They consider it a payments tool. It's all about payments for them. And it's how are they going to move their money, pay their bills, get cash to their friends or, or, you know, get money to their friends. And so it's interesting to bridge that gap from that payments to relationship. And this is the financial institution that's going to help me be successful long term as I, you know, increase my income, want to buy a home, want to buy a car, whatever that may be. And so bridging that gap and that financial education has been a heavier focus for us that we're trying to solve for, you know, how do you educate these folks in a digital way so they stick with you for the long term? That was a great answer from the standpoint of, you know, it's interesting because I was just talking about it today on another conversation, the fact that really payments is now the primary financial account for a consumer, not checking account. Now, it can be a checking account that implements it. But the reality is, you know, I look at my son and he's 23 years old now. And and I would say that he would probably say Venmo is his primary financial relationship because while the financial institution supplies the funding, the reality is all the transactions are being done on Venmo. So, Zach, from your perspective, how many times do you reach out to the customer after they've opened an account? We do have an onboarding series that we look at, and we, we bifurcate that series based on customer segment and the products that they're coming in on. So 
uh, we have one of our flagship uh, product lines is uh, we've subbranded it as Inspire, right? And is it, it's a relationship program that incentivizes customers to have a full relationship with us. So as they expand uh, their relationship, they will get personal advisor, there's interest rate benefits, there's, there's loan benefits, just, you know, so as they, as they grow. And so we're using that, um, our onboarding of that to really educate them. I agree with Tammy, the education's a big piece. Educate them on the value proposition of Inspire as a full product set and services available to them. So we've got a series of emails that we've, that we've orchestrated in such a way to build a narrative with them. If there are certain actions they take, it could be, you know, taking a debit card and activating that. That may trigger a different series of emails versus if they haven't. And we also put the personal advisor in the center of that relationship because we still feel strongly that the human element is what really drives the relationship. Being able to have a conversation with an advisor, talk about your concerns, talk about your fears, talk about your goals and what you're trying to accomplish, whether that's planning for a wedding or planning for retirement, whatever the case may be, understanding what those goals are and really kind of seeking that human element to the value proposition. So that's where, where we see as a key to that whole onboarding journey. You know, it's interesting because both of you have made it very clear that one of the keys is to really put the customer first. It's no longer, onboarding is no longer viewed as, as a cross-sell tool. It's really a relationship building tool. And, and, you know, Zach, I would imagine that your Inspire product line makes it easier to build around that. What is also interesting is it's very clear that you're using multiple channels. You know, one of the aspects that is relatively new to the onboarding process, because it was once the customer leaves the branch that the human element kind of goes with it in the old world. The reality is, in many cases, it's a great reutilization or redeployment of resource from the branch to get them back involved in the onboarding process. Because if, you know, one of the aspects we've seen in our research is that while people want to go digital, that doesn't mean they don't want to have a humanization aspect. It doesn't mean they don't want you to know them, understand them, and reward them, not necessarily by points or something like that, but rewarding them from actually the knowledge about what they're at and where they're going. So, you know, it's also interesting that when I used to build financial direct onboarding programs, you know, a lot of times we'd be fighting against rules that were put in place and, oh, we only can have this many touches of a consumer in every month. So once per month. And you go, well, wait, you got to give some leverage to the onboarding process because the consumer overall doesn't have any limit on when they want to be contacted. When you open up a new relationship with any type of organization, you're almost enjoying the fact that they stay in contact with you. And I think both of you have gone down that path. So, you know, Zach, one of the challenges we often see is the ability to automate both new account and onboarding to create a positive customer experience. Now, as I've heard it, Sonovus leverages both the NCR D3 platform as well as the NCR Terrafina platform. How do you see integrating digital banking, digital account opening, and the onboarding process? How does that influence your growth? So some of this for us right now, Jim, is we've got journeys that we're, that we're striving towards. So we're not there yet, right? And haven't fully capitalized on having everything under the NCR umbrella. But I think it's for us, we see it as, as a competitive advantage, right? We've got two partners 
that are incentivized to work together now under NCR to deliver a very cohesive experience. So when we think about that onboarding, being able to seamlessly with Terrafina, being able to seamlessly bring them into the D3 platform, which we call internally and with customers, we call MySynovus as our online and mobile banking solution. So being able to do that handoff in a seamless way and now having two partners that are incentivized to make that as seamless as possible and, and feel natural to the customer that it's a natural transition for them now to do this. And then once they're in MySynovus, the ability to then continue to give them advice, offers, guidance so we can speak to them in a digital way. And if we find a need, then we're able to circle back with Terrafina and be able to seamlessly fulfill that need from an account opening standpoint. So we think that it significantly simplifies the technical setup and the infrastructure, which in my world is half the battle, is just getting to a simple solution that we can activate quickly. You would say using a third-party solution provider that it streamlined and made both your process more efficient, but also helped you avoid pitfalls that you may have taken if you had gone solo. I keep on reinforcing to to organizations that now more than ever, you need third-party solution providers, fintechs, whatever it may be, to help build solutions that work with other elements of who you're working with, working with your core provider, maybe working with your call center solution, maybe working with your back office solution. But overall, What happens is when you're using this third party, it really helps you speed up the process of innovation because they're going to bring to the table other organizations' scenarios. It's like a GPS of engagement that says, you know, it's going to make it so I go to the least traffic to get to there the fastest and can make adjustments on the fly. So, you know, I I think that's a a great point you bring up. Tammy, you also utilize NCR Terrafina. How has the system simplified your ability to support customers across the customer journey and made it easier for you to pivot based on customer behaviors and market conditions? It's helped us tremendously and primarily, and I think to my point earlier, that it's a platform that can overlay on top of the various fulfillment systems we use. And so from our standpoint, it absolutely simplifies that reactionary time to the customer asking for something and us being able to fulfill on it. I think the other thing it's going to do, you know, as a part of our overall plan, we did focus on the branches and how our branch personnel were going to tie into this overall strategy. And what's great about, for us, Terrafina, our next step is is for our branches to use the same platform. And, you know, we kind of scratched our heads. It's like our clients could open an account in under five minutes, but our branches can't. What have we done wrong? (laughs) And so we, right? And so we are, we're connecting the dot there too, where, you know, a customer can start and stop really in any channel and pick it up in a different channel. And that really was our long-term goal. And Terrafina offered that platform that would allow us to do that. Tammy, from your perspective, would you say that when you're looking at both the digital account opening and the onboarding process, that one of the major underlying ways to look at customer experience is, can you provide speed and simplicity of engagement? In other words, Are you trying to take steps away and make the process of actually doing things easier? Is it more than just digital? When you're talking about digital experiences, is it making the digital experience faster, less cumbersome, less friction, more engaging? Is that part of the equation, the speed and simplicity? 
No question. It is. And that was really one of our initial stakeholder points when we started this process was, you know, how quickly can we make this available, not only available to the customer, but easy for them to use? Because all of those additional steps that have to happen in the background that the customer shouldn't have to participate in. We should make this just so simple and easy for them and to connect those dots because, you know, they're busy living their lives. And, you know, we kind of coined this phrase, my life, my money, my channel five or six years ago. And it was, you know, Think about it from the customer's point of view. They're busy, their money's important to them and allow them to do their banking in the easiest way and in the way that they choose. And then it's our job to bridge the gap between you know, your online banking solution, your digital onboarding, your branch, your website, your contact center. You know, How do you make those flow so smoothly for the client that it just makes it easy to bank with you? So Zach, would you say you know, you're familiar with how small financial institutions work is you worked with them in the past in, in a previous life, but you're also at a bigger financial institution now. Is it safe to say that onboarding as a process is almost a can't-lose proposition for financial institutions of any size, that it, it's not a, a size element? It, it may change the ingredients, but but bottom line is there's no reason, there's always some reason, but there's no reason not to move forward in the onboarding process. Absolutely. And I'll echo a lot of what Tammy said. It, it has to be simple. It has to be intuitive. It has to be fast. It has to come across as, particularly if, if they're an existing customer, I should know everything I need to know about them, right? So it's more confirmation than asking them to continue to, to tell me information about them that I already know. Um, so I, I think that experience is critical to it um, overall. I think it has, has to be you know, you have to get that right. And it's the need to get that right, although it's already high now, it's it's only going to get higher, right? This, this digital thing's not going away. Uh, it's going to continue to evolve and, and capabilities are going to continue. I'll also echo what Tammy said around that omni-channel experience. And that was one of the reasons we went with Terrafina, built off Salesforce. Um, and, I, and I chuckled a bit when Tammy was talking about how long it takes to open the branch. We see the same thing, that we can open an account end-to-end -end digitally much faster than the branch. And, and ask for much less information, but actually gain more information with other tools that we're able to plug in to understand who that customer really is. And we're looking at deploying Terrafina in a branch experience as well to have a, a seamless end-to-end -end solution, regardless of, of channel of opening. So that's a big focus for us as well. So Zach, from your perspective then, really the elephant in the room is that we also need data. And we need analytics to drive a good experience that, you know, it doesn't matter how ugly your internal situation is with silos and everything else. One of the major objectives for any organization today as part of this whole involvement is to really bring this data together, bring a 360 degree view of the consumer together, being able to have a singular view internally and externally, not just in reports, but more importantly, to be able to act on it from a standpoint of, What's the next most likely product or how can I advise the consumer on what's best and not just make it a if this, then that scenario. We've really gotten away from, oh, if a person up at the checking out, the next thing they got to do is mobile banking, then they got to do online banking. Then they have, it's not a model like that, but going forward, if you look at the future, it's really going to be a, how can I access data? How can I deploy data? Because as you mentioned, the, the need for employees to be involved, how can they see the same perspective? And more than just seeing the data, how can we provide the tools to all channels as to what should the consumer be doing next for their best financial future? 
what ends up happening, we end up making our employees more digitally astute in the process, don't we? Absolutely. And I mean, you stumbled on a very complicated, I'll say opportunity. There is no shortage of data, right? And there's no shortage of where data is being stored. So how do you pull all of that data and make sense of it in a central repository that you can key off of and make decisions on? You know, not just having the data, but having the, the right analytical team members that can analyze that data, bringing in data scientists that understand large sets of data, how to manipulate it, how to find insights that may not be at the surface. So how do you do that to then, to your point, it's not just do this next action, right? And your collection of data, there's there's certainly data that we're going to capture just by virtue of being a bank and, and processing financials. But there's a lot of data that the customer can provide us about their goals, about their other banking relationships that they have, maybe outside of us. So how do you gain that information in a way that just doesn't feel salesy, right? Where I'm just trying to get information for you just so I can cross sell you this next product. You're doing it in a way that's non-obtrusive and it's showing the value of how we can help them and better guide them on their financial journey, not just sell the next product available. So Tammy, from your perspective, you obviously are a smaller financial institution, but with some of the same challenges, uh, the ability to, to take data and make it actionable, the, not just data points, but really the ability to look at what the next best product solution may be, how to make it even a better experience. Because really, especially coming out of COVID, consumers are aware of what's possible with data be it the fact that any of the digital music platforms can recommend my next song to listen to or my next movie to watch, how Zoom can make everything so easy with a push of a button, how Amazon, you never get past the first window when you're looking for something because they get to know you really, really well and what you like, the colors, the speed of which you want it delivered, the price points. You know, from your perspective, Tammy, are you at a disadvantage having a smaller platform or a smaller organization or really is it about the same deal? It's just the scalability. You know, I think it's probably the same from a scalability standpoint, you know, but I think there's there's like three parts of this problem we have to solve. One is just getting the data, right? And then two is figuring out how to use it in a way to Zach's point that it feels relevant to the customer and not salesy, because I completely agree with that. But the third part is how do you deliver it to them in a way that they want to engage with it? And that's, to me, the tough one. You know, we've been watching, you know, how our, our customers engage with us, you know, socially and their social buyers and how they interact with their, you know, influencers, whether that's if they're younger, maybe their parents, their friends, their coworkers. And so how do you deliver this information? to them in a way that they want and they're ready to engage with it. And that's the big one that I, I don't know if we've figured out yet. I mean, we can, you know, email zap them all day long and that doesn't mean they're going to read and open and, and pay attention and that it's at the right time. Or you could maybe deliver it, you know, within the channel, right, within their online banking and it may feel more relevant to them. We're not there yet, right? It's something that we're, we're continuing to try to, to work on and I think it will evolve it over time. It's interesting because it, it's a never-ending battle. It's something that the biggest organizations haven't figured this out. I, I have a relationship with a big organization, and I'm amazed by the questions they ask me that I know they have that information. And then on the other hand, there's times when I'm amazed by, I had once a, a debit card fraud, or I didn't think it was a fraud, but then I realized it was a fraud. And the ability to immediately have my new debit card accessible on my phone 
immediately, even though my card hadn't received yet, you, you sometimes realize that, you know, the metrics of the old organization, the metrics of the new organization are vastly different that, yeah, while we can get on your Apple Pay account, we can't necessarily get you your card quite as quickly. So it's, it's you get the old bank, new bank scenario. So for this to both of you, and, and, and as a wrap up of our discussion, you know, in building a partnership, what is your perspective on the benefits of using a solution provider as opposed to building internally? And what recommendation would you provide to other organizations if they're thinking about partnering with a fintech firm like Terrafina? What were your experiences and would you recommend that not necessarily, uh, you know, exactly what's going on, but is it a better way than doing it yourself? I'm going to start with you, Tammy. I don't know if I would advise our company to do it ourselves for a whole variety of reasons, but first and foremost, the, the knowledge and experience you get out of a company like Terrafina, where they can bring you know thought solutions from other organizations to the table, there's just quality that comes with that that helps us organizationally make better decisions. And I guess my advice, especially to a small community bank, is know what you're trying to accomplish and get your plan set to keep you from going down unnecessarily necessary, you know, rabbit holes or to, you know, extend that process out longer than may be necessary. You know, having that plan and that partnership and really trying to decide, you know, for us, it's a program broken into phases. What are your phases? What are you trying to accomplish? And in what order so you can stay on task because it is a long process. That's a great answer, Tam, because I know I there are some situations and no names, please, on this one, but where we got involved in an onboarding situation, we spent probably three months deciding what the envelope was going to look like in the direct mails thing. And you go, you know, working with a third-party provider a lot of times will allow you to avoid the rabbit holes that are non-productive. And they can say, by the way, there's no revenue improvement to this decision. It's better to skip over this and not make this a, a point of time contraction. So, Zach, from your perspective, what recommendations do you provide organizations of any size if they're thinking about partnering with a fintech firm like Terrafina? Yeah, I, I think for a lot of smaller organizations, I guess there's optionality, Jim, but not really, right? To really execute on it, I think you need a strong partnership. Synovus, I, I believe, is on the cusp. I think we, we could absolutely deliver this in-house, but with a partner like Terrafina, it's almost like you get the best of both worlds. So we get you know, insight from all of their other relationships they have. But, and I mentioned Inspire early, that's a very specific journey that is really only applicable to Synovus. And so there's some there's some certain customizations that we would want and how that's positioned. And I can go to Terrafina and say, hey, this is what we're looking for with this. Here's why we want to do this. Here's the journey we're looking to, to affect with this. And then you know, a sprint or two later, I'm looking at a QA version of that experience. And so their ability to move quickly, right? So we get the learnings from all yeah. of their other engagements. They've built a very configurable platform that allows them to do rapid prototyping and development so we can respond and iterate in near real time and then get to market very quickly. So for me, there's just so many advantages with that partnership that no reason for me to even try to build a huge development shop in-house. You know, that's interesting. You bring up a good point there that it allows you to focus on other things that are more important and leave the implementation to your partner. And, you know, we look at the data processing or the data analytic professional things like this. Sometimes it's just better to go outside because there's people that have done before and, and allows you freedom to build something better. You know, 
I appreciate both of you being on the show today. You know, you've been great guests and, and provided insight. And anybody who knows me or has followed me for the last uh, 15 years knows that there's probably nothing that I am more passionate about than onboarding. It, it sounds silly, but it's one of these things that I could never figure out why organizations wouldn't spend all their efforts trying to make sure that when a consumer is shopping, when a consumer is buying, and when the consumer starts to wanting to engage with a financial institution, why do we don't make that the easiest and most intuitive possible? Every other industry does it. If you open up a Nordstrom account, they keep engaged with you and they make it so that you become a Nordstrom customer that makes sure the relationship is strong. And during that whole process, they make sure the branding strong. And again, I used to be on a solution provider side, but the reality is trying to do it yourself will continue to move that priority, as, as Zach said earlier, down the line further, because it, it doesn't seem like a big deal because it's not like you turn on something, you get immediate revenue. But what it does, it gives you continual revenue opportunities over time that when you add them up, they're huge. They're the, they're the atomic bites that make it so that over time, the, the accumulative effect is so great. It's not a one-time program. It's not a fall equity credit program or a spring car program. It's an onboarding engagement process that builds brand and builds more customers and more relationships. Thank you both for being on the show today. Thanks, Jim. Thank you. What a great conversation with Zach and Tammy. You know, it's interesting. They provided perspectives today from both the large and the smaller financial institution as to number one, why you should implement an onboarding process. Number two, the benefits of doing so and how they did it. And number three, the importance of working with a third-party solution provider such as NCR Terrafina to build a process that's integrated and innovative and is more flexible than you would have otherwise. Thanks for listening to Banking Transform Solutions, our brand new extension of the Banking Transform podcast. If you enjoyed today's interview, please be sure to follow the show on your favorite podcast app. And don't forget to give our show a five-star rating. Also, be sure to catch my recent articles on the financial brand and check out our research we are doing on digital transformation, retail banking innovation, digital customer experience, and financial marketing for the Digital Bank Report. This has been a production of Evergreen Podcast. A special thank you to our producer, Leah Longbreak, audio engineer, Sean Rule Hoffman, and video producer, Will Pritz. I'm your host, Jim Maroos. Until next time, embrace change, take risks, and disrupt yourself and your organization. The Jim Stroud Podcast explores the discoveries and trends forming the future of our lives. Brain-to-brain communication, robot bosses, microchip implants for workers, and artificial intelligence replacing human workers are all happening now. If you want to know what's happening next, subscribe now to the Jim Stroud Podcast.